0: I'm Colby Spencer, and this is Vantropolis. This is Vantropolis, a podcast about the happenings, the goings-on, and the general day-to-day life and antics of the underslept masses working in Vancouver's film industry. I'm no expert. I'm just nosy. And if you are too, let's do this. It's November 2023, and the WGA and sag After strikes are now settled. It's been a long summer, and there's a shared sigh of relief as film work slowly begins to ramp up again. How quickly is still to be determined. For many, this has been a very difficult chapter, and some collective collateral damage has been done, from people's wallets to their mental health. Most will need months, if not years, to recover fully from this lapse. Some have sold assets, taken part-time jobs elsewhere, or even left the industry altogether in the meantime. There's also a concern that production budgets will be reduced moving forward, adding to a future state stress. In the midst of these strikes, I reached out to four past Metropolis guests to hear their thoughts, struggles, and hopes for the industry as they navigated the uncertainty. A production manager, a costume designer, a gaffer, and a director of photography varying POVs and experiences, but throughout it all, a solidarity to each other and the craft. As we reflect on the roller coaster of the 2023 strikes, I hope these stories provide a source of resilience and support for anyone who might need it. Hello? Hansdale, it's Colby.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Good, how are you?
1: Uh, I'm okay. I'm making it, I'm making it, I'm making it through, I think. I'm making it through. I hope.
0: Well, that's why I'm calling you. It, that's exactly, it's so funny that you knew that this is why I was calling you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wanted to talk to you first because, you know, you're a good friend and you've been amazing with my podcast. And I will admit, with the strikes, um, I've sort of been demotivated to do episodes with people because, one, they're not working. Yeah. And it seems a bit tone deaf to start doing interviews with people that aren't working. So I kind of parked it for a bit. Yeah. But you had the most amazing idea we talked to this week. And you always do. You're my biggest cheerleader. And had a really great idea, which I've now run with. And that's why I'm starting with you on this strike series about the strike. But really, not about the details of the strike, but how people are doing. And even more in particular, how people are doing in BC film. Yeah. So thank you for taking time to talk to me today without really any warning or planning. I appreciate it.
1: It's easy to be your cheerleader because you do something and that's part of what I would probably want to talk about is how much is missing in our community and BC film in the BC film community and the, in the environment that we have, what's missing is ways for people to express themselves, uh, you know, and, and have space to do that and be heard, you know? And so, Like a podcast is a wonderful thing for that because you can get heard and you can identify with it and you can listen to it and and also feel just as sort of uh, like it'll resonate with certain people. And then you're, you know, that you're getting something out of it, even though you may not be actively picking up the phone and talking to someone, you're still listening to someone that's going through something that, you know, you can relate to. And that's, that's missing in our community. And, and it's been missing this year in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And and I think like having something sort of like a podcast t- to your point you don't have to necessarily be the person speaking but you can listen to your fellow film folks, right? So Yeah. So tell me how have you passed the time this year? Like how has it been for you um since the start until now?
1: I mean, it's been the worst. This is the worst year since since this business started for me even though I've had pockets of work and and been able to get uh cobble my life together to some degree and make it this far. But uh, nobody could have told me that we would be plunged into this kind of chaos, uh, you know, uh, six months ago. I would have never guessed that it could be this ugly and this bad, even though I was, you know, I knew that uh, striking and, and the labor relations side of what happens these days in the Hollywood, you know, film industry uh, is tense because we went through this with the DGC last year and we knew that it was a tense, terse, uh disagreeable, hostile kind of negotiation and So, yeah, like, I mean, all that aside, how it's been for me is just a a stressful struggle. And I hate—I have to struggle even to hold on to my desire to want to be, you know, present for it. Like, I just want to get out and do something else in a lot of ways. So hopefully I don't have to, but you never know, right? We don't know how it's all going to unfold yet.
0: Yeah, and I guess, you know, COVID also made us feel a little bit that way, but I don't know if this feels different.
1: This feels different to me because unfortunately for me, maybe it's just uh, having a little bit too much information or not too much information, but maybe slightly more information because we're schooled on things. You know, like I sit on the boards of the industry association the, the Guild, the Directors Guild, and so we get some data and we get some conversations going and you start to look at what the sort of industrial landscape of the business is across the world and how tax incentives work and how, what the, you know, what the races are in production and how they're failing at managing their streaming and how much money they've borrowed. And you start to get this feeling that it's not crazy that, you know, we do, we, the the whole industry shrinks by, you know, more than half, like it's not, it's not an insane plausibility. And so that makes everybody nervous, you know, that should make everybody nervous. Now, is that going to happen? Nobody could say, and that's, so it's, it's uh yeah, it's ner- it's nerve-wracking and and it's and it's it doesn't feel good.
0: And and have you felt disjointed from your fellow film crew? Like how much have you been interacting with people as you say you're sitting on more boards and a little bit more of the business and higher level as a veteran and a yeah. production manager? But what what how do you feel about that side of it?
1: Well, I do feel like I, you know, this is also these are also whether you're young crew or an old crew, your crew, and so I do have a lot of relationships, and they're are people that I came up with, or they're people that I've seen and nurtured along the way, or have nurtured me, whatever which whichever side of it I'm on. So I've just like I just uh, I'm I try to spend time with people as much as I can. I I'm pretty active doing all the little you know little jobs and fun things that I like to do. Uh, so that I can see people and and spend time with them and hang out and chat and vent or commiserate, whatever it is. Uh, But it's taxing because it's like, if if you're not like, I'm kind of probably a natural introvert and, but I got to push myself because I know that I can, I can do this stuff. So I go out and do it, you know, if I just, cause I can, I know I can, but seeing other people really crumble and seeing But then at the same time, you see lots of people that have a lot of hopefulness and resilience and it never surprises me when I see our crew and our people here being resilient because, you know, most of the time I have to always say out loud this, the crew and the people that do the heavy lifting in this town built the business here, built the industry from the ground up from not doing very much uh, runaway production that was called back in the day and probably still is in some circles. Uh, to, to you know, a big robust business of a 4 or $5 billion a year worth of business we did in our best year. So it's the crews that did that. It's the people that are doing that heavy lifting, doing the work. So I know that they're tough and I know that they're really resilient. And uh, But this is an un, un, unimaginable situation that we're in where we have zero control once again, just like COVID in that way. COVID, I, I felt like we had there was an end in sight and there was a solution to being able to go to work because the request for work hadn't stopped. It was just other circumstances that were ob- obstacles in that way. But this is like there's no work. There's absolutely no work actually taking place. And that's really that's that's it. That's the whole purpose of us. So yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and I feel, too, that, you know, some people feel guilt, right, for doing some indie work and getting some work. I know it's sort of, like, not a dirty secret, but people are ashamed to say if they are getting some work, which is interesting. Yeah.
1: It is interesting. I, I would never probably feel that way myself. Like, I, I think it takes a – it's like I said, like, I think that this is a – I've said this before to you. Uh, this is a very stoic group of people and in in any in any definition, you know, like, really stoic uh uh, a resilient group and so they'll do what they got to do you know and they they do it all the time on shows they're asked to do it so when it comes down to like losing your house or not being able to pay for things they'll take the hit and they'll go do stuff and that's also a reminder that you know it is a craft and and you want to you want to you want to deploy yourself to the craft, right? You want to be working in it because that's what you know. That's what brings you comfort. And whether you're getting paid a lot of money, which in some cases you should be, uh, you know, that's what the business and the commerce of it entails. But on the flip side, sometimes it's just nice to just go throw a camera up and hang out with some people that you like and shoot something. And that can be okay too. And so I, I hope people don't feel too ashamed or like that they're somehow lessened, in some way, at being the master craftspeople that they are, because they had to go work on an indie. It's just like there's just no work for everybody right now, and it doesn't mean anything about who you are as a person. You know, it's yeah. just the way it is. It's a bizarre circumstance. You know, well,
0: and some people have been working on passion projects. I saw online. You know, some people are working on their own on their own films, on their own scripts, and volunteering, and yeah. just trying to work on something at least for that connectedness. Um, which is yeah. cool. You know, it's not obviously the end game, but it's something to fill the time a little bit. And I think also connecting with other people because, you know, we see social media, you see people putting posts and, and joking memes and stuff. But I'm, I'm actually very curious about the temperature of mental health in BC film right now. Like there's resources that you can access and I'm very curious, you know, if there's a shame around or a stigma around even reaching out for those resources, whether they're even utilized, right?
1: I, I i think they are being utilized i really couldn't uh probably divulge if i knew uh they are being utilized and i think that the one thing that i can probably divulge a little bit about is how many people are checking in to ask for help not just from us as as uh leaders or uh, as as senior people just in just in general with the whole with whatever you know established uh, things that we have out there called time mental health or the union halls or whatever it is i know that they're getting a lot of phone calls anecdotally of course um but i also see that uh you know the actors fund is is as uh, suspended taking uh applications now because they've been overwhelmed with the number of people requesting it it's only a natural conclusion that we'll see that people if they're looking for money and they can't go to work and they can't spend time with uh, you know, the the people that they like at work or the, the way of working that they like to, you know, you be employed in, that they're gonna be suffering mentally. And so I just know that it's it's really damaging. And the only sad part of this is that despite having a uh, call time mental health and some resources in, in place, that there is a stigma for you know in asking for help around it. And mm-hmm. uh that's really a tragedy to your point. You know, it's like if there is people that aren't asking for it, they I would say, please just run to your phone and, and ask for it because there's people there that can help. They may not help you exactly the way you need to be helped, but they want to. And and that's always the case, I think. The people always want to help, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think that's – thank you for saying that. Anecdotally or not, I think it's helpful to hear um, because we've lost a couple people this year, you know, recently. Yeah. Um, in, well, I, in I think, it's, think
1: it's, so, it's, 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 it's more than a couple. It's more than a couple. And it's really, it's really, uh, uh, it's it's awful. It's actually awful, and uh, and I feel really like I feel you know, and I don't know, you know, you don't ever get to, I don't get to know everybody that I, that we've lost, but I've also, I just know that time's flying, and uh, so you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna experience this all the time. But the rate at which it's happening and the way in which it's happening is so distressing to me and so depressing <laughs> that I yeah. just, I feel terrible for, for their families. I feel like we just live in this moment. We're living in this moment too. And it's like what's surrounding us, right? It's, it's like there's war and there's just chaos everywhere. And the politics is really sharp and, and hateful. And it's really, it's all, it feels all bad. But, uh, and that's why I feel like, we just got to keep pushing through and being the resilient group of people that we are. Cause we're hopeful, I think all the time, you know?
0: Yeah, that's well said. And I think that's was the purpose of you and I talking about doing this, right. Even though it, yeah. it felt very small to me and like, what am I going to be able to provide in my very small platform? Uh, but I think every story matters, right?
1: Every story matters. If it's even five people or 10 people, that 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 it hits in their ear somehow in their brain somehow and it's good it's 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 got it it's got to i'm not going to say this properly of course because i'm doing it like as i'm thinking about it but it's got to mean something, even if it's just one person. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that I've been, you know, obviously we're all watching the news and watching what's going on in the Middle East. And you think about the kids and you think about all the life privileges that we have here. So we feel like we can't talk about all the things that are troubling us here. Some people can, some people can't. Some people feel shame because they say, well, I don't have it that bad. They've got it a lot worse. And some people say, no, I've got it really bad. And I don't care what other people, going through. And I'm like, we have to give room. That's the great beauty of where we are is like giving room to all that conversation and, and all that dialogue about it, regardless of where it's necessarily coming from. It's not just coming from the strike. It's not just coming from coming out of COVID and not being able to get your head above water. It's not coming from just the interest rates being high and the mortgage payments going up 1000, 2000, $3,000 a month for a lot of people. It's everything. And giving people space is a crucial crucial thing and if people can offer the space and can pick up the phone and call a friend or text a friend or whatever it is go for a walk that's great and if they can't and if they can only listen to a podcast or if they can only listen to a meditation you know uh uh mp3 or whatever it is like whatever the whatever makes them work and function and stay going Going is the thing. To stay going is the thing. Yeah, I think that we should be just. We should be supportive of that. We should be jumping at the opportunity to give them that.
0: Yes, well said. And so, film folks, reach out to your other film folks, even one. And I know it's hard, um, but just just try to connect where you can. And on that note, when things do, <laughs> when the sun does shine again. What are your thoughts on sort of the ramp up and how long that will take? Because I know that's on everyone's mind, too, is like, oh, that's great. Once we settle, then what happens?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be it's going to be slow ramp up. Right. At first, I thought uh, like kind of when the writers settled, I thought, oh, we'll have we'll have all this time of the writers getting scripts written and things getting greenlit to wrangle actors schedules so that. Uh, when things settle down, there will be a nice cascade of work, like it'll cascade kind of beautifully. But now that the writers have gone this long, the minute this ends, there's going to be a mad dash to book people. And when I say people, I mean performers. And those schedules, especially because it's contingent around, a lot of times the shows are contingent around bigger actors and bigger players, I think that that's going to cause a real headache for everybody. And so I I don't know. I just don't know how it's going to unfold. I mean, you know, I was saying to someone earlier today, I said they said it's unprecedented, this whole thing. And I said, I thought we retired that word after COVID, unprecedented.
0: Yeah, right. This
1: this is, again, unprecedented. So we don't know what the landscape at all is going to look like. And even for me to just like do a slightly more informed guess about what it is it's still a guess and it's a bullshit guess right yeah like yeah we don't it's really a hopeful know guess. it's a hopeful guess that it'll come and it'll happen quickly and we'll get going but I genuinely think it'll be slow and it'll be uh you know it'll be uh very incremental and very very gr- like a grindy ramp up to everything happening and that's distressing because I, I, I'm so worried about not having, you know, the people that we worked with and we came up with them or the young people, especially that we watched coming into this business the last few years. I just hope they haven't all walked away from it, you know, and said, that's enough. I'm done, you know, because this is still a great life. And I still think there's a lot of life left uh, in, in this industry before the machines take over completely. <laughs> but... uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's everywhere though. I don't know where you're going to avoid. Yeah, that? it's
1: exactly that? it. I keep say, I keep joking that I'm like I'm waiting for the machines to take uh my life over so that I can just chill out and hang out, you know? Um but I don't know if that's, I don't know that's going to happen for me. <laughs> um yeah, I just think it's going to be a slow trickle before we really feel the pain and uh and I think that's going to be particularly true for BC uh, unfortunately because uh, though I know that people are chomping the bits to get up here and get to work and they love, you know, people in LA love coming up here generally. I think that, uh, it's just, it's just like the competition is crazy. The talent dictates so much The ba- the performers dictate so much and their schedules are going to be utter chaos, like cutting deals for all these folks right now is going to be hard. Now, we also know on the flip side from the businesses that they are really, you know, we, we've been hearing the talk about how they have to pay the piper and that, you know, they've, they've borrowed a ton of money to get these streaming, uh, systems up and running. And now they're being held accountable for it because they're not as successful as, as they had all hoped. So I think that that's going to mean budgets get crunched. We have a little bit less content coming our way. It's just like, it's a big mess. And I'm not a, I'm not a analyst enough to know what it's all going to look like, but I actually don't think that any analyst could, cause it's, It's so wacky.
0: It's so unprecedented times. (laughs) Sorry, I had to. I had to.
1: It's like my least favorite word anymore. I'm like, can we not come up with like some sort of uh, 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 like synonym for for uh, unprecedented? It's the worst word. I'm so over it.
0: (laughs) I know, and we use it. It's on everything now, which is the alarming part. Yeah. Okay, we've gone on too long. I've taken too much of your time. We always do this, you and I. But I, I really want to thank you, though, because I think you provide two sides of the coin, which is the business and the reality of it, but also the heart and the, the heartbeat of the people. And you've been around long enough to see both and understand that they are weaved together. So thank you for that, because I think it's an important contrast.
1: Yeah, thank you. I I think that this business doesn't operate without heart. Like it's all about heart. It's storytelling, and it's a uh, commerce. I know it's commerce, and it's and it's a business, and there's lots of money in it, and we all want to make money. But uh, the stories don't get old, and the stories don't go away. They've like they've kept us together since we were sitting around a fire, and, and you know hunting for food, and, and you know chasing mastodons or whatever it is. And uh, at the end of you know when you're sitting around chewing chewing on the bone of some animal that you hunted, you're telling stories. That's what we do, and that's what we should stick to. And I, I don't think it'll ever get old. But uh, it's just hard to do this year, and it's and it's too bad. You know, it's a hard it's a hard time, but got to do what we can do I guess
0: yeah well I can't top that that that, I can't top that ending so thank you very much I hope these um you know conversations are helpful as we move through the series and we'll just see what happens from there so thank you again I really do appreciate it
1: well I appreciate you thank you
0: take care of yourself everybody take care of yourself
1: thank you yeah yes everybody take care okay
0: yeah thanks Hans. thanks bye 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 Hello. Toby Gorman? That's me. How are you? It's Colby.
2: Hey, Colby. I'm good, thanks. I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm, I'm, what are you doing right now? Have I caught you at a bad time?
2: Uh, no, no. I'm just getting stuck into some music like I tend to do.
0: Oh, yes? Tell me more. What kind of music?
2: Uh, well, um, I've always been a bit of a drum and bass fan since my uh, early years as a teenager. Um, and uh, I guess I've been spending a lot more time getting into that lately.
0: And you've had the time, obviously.
2: I have had uh, too much time, um, which is nice in some ways. Uh, obviously, it has its uh, perils in other ways. But uh, I guess music's uh, a good distraction for me to um, kind of bury my se- head in the sand somewhat. And uh, yeah. yeah, hide away from the reality uh, for a few minutes.
0: Well, yeah, and that's a good segue because, um, you know, I'm sort of checking in on everybody. I'm past Ventropolis guests to kind of see how they're weathering the strikes. And I think the hope is really just to help the BC film community feel a little more connected in some way during this time. Because I, I've i heard from a lot of people in the in the industry that just there's not one place or even a place to be able to sort of hear other people's stories, except in passing, you know, if you run into somebody at the grocery store or at a party. Um, But I I have a feeling or I suspect that some people feel pretty disconnected. And so I just thought I'd do my small part to tell some of the stories. So lucky you, I've caught you. Um, So on that note, I think, you know, how are you passing the time? Have you, you know, when it started, how have you sort of processed the whole journey? And has it changed at all for you from the beginning until now? Uh,
2: Good question, yes. So, um, I mean, in a way, it almost feels like we've been through this with COVID, um, and, uh, and again, uh, when this started, I didn't expect it to go on as long as it has been. Um, same with COVID, right. Um, so, uh, it almost feels like this is familiar territory because, uh, it seems like it's five minutes ago that we were all off work for that amount of time and that we we're all struggling financially. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily go into this thinking, right, I've got a big bunch of time that I'm going to use as productively as possible. I actually I was hoping to carry on working and doing, you know, s- smaller jobs that maybe, uh, you know, didn't involve union uh, writers or union uh, actors. And so I kind of had high hopes that um, I'd, I'd carry on. Um, so I didn't really start this thinking, OK, here's a big window of time to make the most of. Um uh, you know in hindsight if I'd done that maybe I'd have be been more productive but um, but I've tried to make the most of it like I've been um, you know full-on stay-at-home dad which is kind of amazing my kids are like 11 and nine um, and so you know I've been getting up and making the lunches and um, doing all that stuff and doing homework with them and, and all those things that when when working you don't get a chance to do so um, I'm obviously you know always trying to stay aware of, uh, and be grateful for the times when I can um, be more present with the family and uh, definitely be making the most of that. Um, And uh, I guess at the the beginning of the strike, and even, and this wasn't necessarily a strike thing, but I guess I got to a point where I realized I needed to look after myself better and and be healthier and eat better and exercise more and and all of that stuff. And uh, it helped that the strike began in the summer because uh, that was a great time to, get on the bike and go running and stuff like that and so I made a few changes in general anyway and, and I guess not working enabled me to um uh really focus on those changes and and uh not sort of get distracted by bizarrely early call times and all of that stuff um as well as uh like I was saying like yeah getting into other creative avenues in order to not go insane uh so I've been uh concentrating on music and getting that out there a little bit um more as um you know, as a, yeah, a sanity thing more than anything else. Um, and, uh, so I've definitely been able to make the most of having all of this time. Like, to be honest, even though I'm not working, it feels like there's not enough time in the day to do everything I want to do. Um, which is uh, a surprising thing to say for myself. because I thought I'd be going crazy by now, but, um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's positives and negatives, but obviously, um, I can't help but think that these negatives are crazy. I mean, I'm lucky enough that, um, you know, I've been through this a few times, like with COVID and other downturns in the industry. And so um, I know now that, you know, whenever you make money, that you can't just assume that that, that's going to last forever. And so, you know, I've been good with trying to save it. and uh, keep it for a rainy day as it were and so I've been able to survive so far I haven't got much longer, only a month or two before I have no idea what's going to happen but, um, but uh, I can't help but think and worry about everyone else who may not have been able to save money um, plus the thing that sucks is that you try and get ahead in life and you know maybe save a deposit for you know one day buying a house or something and then you just watch that disappear in front of your eyes and you're back to feeling like a student again and wondering what's going to happen next
0: yeah, and I mean, that, that's so – I mean, there's so much in there, and I'm so grateful for you saying all of those things because I think, you know, you're a cinematographer, you're a DOP, and I think, you know, if you're thinking of someone who's just started out in film, that experience isn't much different no matter where you are. If you're above the line or below the line, it's the same experience no matter what level you are in that film during the
3: strike.
2: Yeah, and, and it feels like it's, it must be harder for, you know um, – yeah, for like say people who've just started and haven't necessarily had you know time to save funds for this sort of op- this this sort of time yeah i mean i'm i feel like it's strange for me that i've i sort of got to a point in my life where you know i don't even know what else i would do <laughs> so uh there's some big questions there to be to be considered <laughs> you know because there's obviously pressures with uh income and family and you know keeping a roof over your head and everything and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, some people have said, So, what else are you gonna do? Can you do something else? And I'm like, Uh, uh, well, I guess I used to do web design back before the internet was even a thing. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, yeah, I don't know what else I would do, but yeah.
0: Well, and I guess the feeling too for a lot of people is like, just one more week, just just one more week, and we'll see where we're at. Maybe this will be the deal. Maybe you know, once the writers' guild. You know, the WGA signed, I think people thought the momentum was going to be pretty quick for um, the actors, right, for SAG-AFTRA. But as we can see, you know, that's still very um, shaky.
2: That's right. And then obviously you've got the holidays coming up, which, uh, so, you know, the chances of actually doing something before Christmas have just, you know, just diminished. And, uh, you know, I still had hopes a couple of weeks ago or a week ago that I'd be able to do something before Christmas. And I'm still clinging on to that hope. Um, but uh, we all know anyway, from even if it's a healthy time in the industry, it always takes a couple of weeks or so for things to get going in January, Uh, you know, so um, it's uh, yeah, like you know, these things being delayed up until this point and continuing to be so, with the holidays coming up, make it even um, more of a scary time because it's obviously a very expensive time and we know that everything tends to shut down anyway for a, a month over the holidays and uh things have to get going from scratch which is even worse it's not you know they'd be amazing if some things could start going in december at least even if they were going to shoot later but uh yeah i'm yeah who knows who knows right now
0: have you have you connected much with other film people at all like besides your friends and passing that you've worked with do you feel like people are talking about how they're doing um,
2: a, a bit, um, not as much as I'd like to have done. I mean, it's great that you're doing this because, to be honest, there's a lot of people I've been wondering about but I haven't been in touch with. Um, so I think it's a really great thing to try and, um, you know, unite people and let them know they're not alone. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we should probably do some more things like that to get everyone together, you know, even if it's online, uh, just to, like, yeah, share the stories and share the woes and uh, offer emotional support, um, you know, at this time. But yeah, so I'd love to connect with more than I have been.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I know a lot of people, you know, when it's part of the union or part of your like work environment, I mean, obviously I'm super on the fringe and agnostic here, you know, so it might be a safer space to share. But um, sometimes people feel, I guess, that work connection is just a little too close to quote work and maybe not as safe, to be honest. So yeah, that's why I've cornered you today. And I appreciate you speaking from the heart. Um because I know like people are worried they're worried about Christmas, they're worried about money, and to your point, like we've done this with covid, but in a way, it almost feels like a second hit now, right, like we got out of covid and then this, so it, it's like two big punches in a very short amount of time,
2: yeah, absolutely, absolutely I mean, I've had the conversation a lot of my kids have said that they're eleven and nine now, but I've had uh way more open conversations about how Santa is uh clearly affected by the strike because he. On all the Christmas movies. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um,
0: Tell them the gift is the gift of Daddy being home.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know if they quite appreciate that though. But you know, I'm about to start. I'm sure a big nine month series, and they'll remember that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not really about to start a nine month series. But
0: no, but when your mind you are, uh, you're manifesting it. But yeah, I mean, I think that time, especially for us too, like, you know, uh, Tony's home so much. He's doing like, to your point, all the lunches, he's walking our little guy to school and everything. And, uh, you know, in a way, that's kind of, I guess, the blessing is the human connection that we're gaining if we can here, which is why it's so important to still connect. And, you know, when I think about like a single bachelor living in an apartment on strike right now, like, a little bit more alienating right like financially and emotionally
2: yeah yeah for sure that's right that's right and i know that a lot of people you know obviously live somewhat paycheck to paycheck and you know they're the people i worry about the most really um and uh obviously it's you know I obviously stand by the strike and and everything that everyone's fighting for um because uh you know otherwise you know these no one's ever going to get ahead and, and, and save enough to you know whether this industry like this industry has a lot of things that need to be looked at to be honest um and uh, you know it's important that we stand up for what we what we need in order for this to be a, a healthy sustainable career path um, and i can't believe to be honest that certain things are, are taking so long to actually deal with you know one of the things that I, that' still I'm not dealt with, is uh, the hours of the industry is, is uh, completely unhealthy, and and I'm amazed that such a important, recognised professional industry has not been able to get that in check, because um, the amount of hours that we do when we do work is just way out of whack, and uh, you don't get that time to spend with your family, and you know that proper quality time. And I see families and couples blown apart by this industry all the time. And uh that's something that needs to change. Um and, and without people standing up for themselves, uh, we're just gonna carry on getting exploited. Um so uh, you know, I stand by everything that this is, but obviously it's it's crazy hard.
0: Yes. And it always is, right? That's how change comes through, you know, rough times, uh, to be able to have solidarity and work towards it and hold out, right? So um, I'm so glad that you took the time. I'm I'm so grateful. I don't want to take too much of your time, but um, I think it's so important to hear your story. So thank you for sharing it and being honest. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about your DJ name just before we go, in case anyone wants to listen?
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't. There's not much to tell you about my DJ. <laughs> <laughs> there's not much to tell you about my DJ name because uh, there's there's not really much of a story other than it's something that's stuck. 25 years ago, and uh, (laughs) and so it hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, The DJ name is DJ Rati, and uh, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, like I say, it's stuck throughout the years, and and so it's here to stay, and I figured, well, look, you know, people make weirder names stick in the the consciousness of people, so why not just roll with it still? Um, (laughs) But uh, anyway, no, it's a passion of mine that uh, has always been you know, a myth of my wife will tell you, like, uh, on, on my time off, I will just be mixing tunes uh, until someone drags me away from the decks. And uh, I love the music. I love the scene. I have so many precious memories tied up with it all. And uh, it's a part of me, you it will never go anywhere, um, which I'm totally fine with. And uh, it's actually nice that um, not that I particularly intended to do this, but one little thing has led to another and I'm starting to play out on this little radio station based in the UK. And, uh, that's sort of forcing me to structure various things and present that side of things, uh, in, in some way, whereas before, you know, recently it's just been this reclusive hobby that I've been doing, uh, you know, as opposed to when I was like 20 and was actually doing it more. And, um, uh, anyway, so this has given me the opportunity to sort of, um, put that out there a bit and, uh, yeah, sort of uh, focus on it in, in some form. And it's nice that something I spend so much time doing is uh, is getting some outlet, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, there's not a big outlet, but it's uh, it's enough of an excuse for me to sort of package up a lot of the creative stuff that I do in my downtime and, uh, and put it out there. And if people want to listen, great. Tony's my, probably literally my biggest fan and I love him for it, amongst many other things. Uh <laughs> um,
0: Listen, it's it's super cathartic. It's very cathartic, and it's a good way to channel any sort of feelings. And everyone that's listening, uh, he does have an Instagram account for this because I know he's not going to promote it. Film people are not very good at promoting their own things. I don't know why. But it's DJ underscore R-A-A-T-E-E, and there's a mix cloud on there. And Toby also is being very humble because he also did some live sets that you could tune into and listen to, which we did at our house. So... I love this for you, and I love that you're resurrecting it. It's amazing, and you should see a setup at home. It's epic. Um, so, yeah, keep keep doing that. Keep channeling all the worries and stress into the music because everyone else can reap the benefits of it.
2: It's true. Beats and bass can just make everything okay somehow.
0: That needs to be a T-shirt, maybe.
2: <laughs> it does, it does.
0: Okay, I won't keep you too much longer. Um, I love you, and thank you for your time and... Keep fighting the good fight, and thank you for sharing your story with everyone. I really do appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you, Colby. And thank you for doing this. I think it's really important for people to, you know, to, to get some solidarity, and I know they're not alone. And so, uh, good job. Good job.
0: Take care. All right. We'll speak soon. To you soon. Yeah, you too. Okay. Speak to you soon. Bye. Okay.
3: Bye. Alisa
0: speaking. Hi, Alisa, It's Colby. Hey, how are you, Colby? How are you? Sorry to just catch you on the fly. No worries. <laughs> I just wanted to check in. What I'm doing, I'm, I'm checking in with all the past Metropolis guests and sort of cornering them. But, um, you know, the strike, I want to see how everybody's faring. And I thought it was the best a good place to start is just to go to past guests and see how everyone's doing and kind of get your story. So I'd love to know what you've been up to and how you're doing and faring through it all.
3: Oh, huh. interesting question. Um, you know what? I I am doing okay mostly uh sleep is sleep has been interesting I've been waking up at about three o'clock every morning probably now for about the last month and a half I'm sure it's stress <laughs> so yeah this the sleep hasn't been awesome uh, my husband's actually decided he's left the business and uh, has got himself a uh, job outside of film he's actually in theater now unfortunately doesn't pay as well but but he's working, so that is really good. Myself, you know, it's interesting because when we first started, I was like, yay, I got the summer off, or at least part of the summer to spend with my kids, which it is really nice to to see the kids, and they're going to be super sad when I go back to work. But um, I found that I've been really busy because I'm also the president of CAFCAD, uh, the Canadian Alliance of Film and Television Costume Design. And arts, um, arts and design. And we have been hit so hard as well by this strike with, you know, our sponsors and with our members all being film industry related. And so those numbers have dropped. And because of that, I find that I'm working like eight hours, 10 hours a day in meetings and emergency meetings. Uh, unfortunately, I don't get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> a volunteer position. Right, um, yeah. But i it's funny because I wake up in the middle of the night and now I'm not just having like personal stress. Now I'm having calf cat stress. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know how I've got myself into this position where I'm not just worried about my bank account, but I'm worried about you know, CAFCAD's bank account and, and making, I mean, we came through COVID fine because we were able to, you know, put out more courses and everybody was at home and getting served and they could afford to take the courses and, you know, CAFCAD's still putting out courses, but a lot of people are like, I just, you know, I know it's not expensive, but I don't, I don't want to spend, you know, $25 on a course that I I know will benefit me when I still have to figure out how I'm going to have dinner.
0: Yeah. And, and how, in that regard, how are you sensing mental health with those folks?
3: It's been hard. Uh, it's been hard. I've been actually watching my, my personal crew from the show that I've been on, as well as um, the people on CapCad And even just watching online, You know, I, I belong to a bunch of different um, Facebook groups that are all film related. And particularly this last month, I have been watching a serious decline of uh, mental health. Uh, I do worry about a few of my crew members and, you know, I I check in with them regularly to make sure everybody's okay, even if it's just like a a touch base by uh, email. Anytime I get any word, positive or negative, I'm sending them stuff so that they're in the loop and they know that I'm, I'm there. But I've been seeing sort of, on Facebook groups, people really starting to fall apart, particularly these last couple of weeks um, with the contention yeah. between SAG and the AMPTP trying to really hash it out. And nobody seems to be, I mean, SAG has a point. They they really do need to get this AI thing figured out now. They can't wait. But crew members, we hear stories. We hear stories about our brethren in Los Angeles and some of our friends up here who have lost their homes, who have um, lost their cars, things have been repossessed, people sleeping on other people's couches. And there are quite a few crew members, I think, in the last little while who are definitely struggling with mental health. And um, there have been more suicides.
0: Yes. Yes there have been and again i think there's a stigma around it you know yeah, there a has. couple happened this year uh, well some were unexpected deaths but weren't discussed as to what and i know there's a double edged sword there but it's it's difficult to get through that stuff if you don't have any information you know
3: you don't have any information and and like a lack of hope and yeah just feeling like you there's there's no way out and and despondent and you know I know I know a friend who's actually currently working at um Cirque du Soleil she lives nowhere near it so it's like an hour and a half in and an hour and a half back and she has to pay for parking at at the end of the day I think she's probably putting out more to go to work than she's making but she's doing it to keep her EI benefits up Um, right and then and a lot of people have put out resumes and they're like, you know, we put out resumes to the real world and the real world looks at these and goes, oh, but as soon as film starts, they're going to leave. So they don't even count the resume. So the people who have found jobs are all seasonal or part-time or minimum wage jobs, which is great and better than not working. But at the same time, when you're used to making a certain amount and your mortgage is a certain amount or your rent is a certain amount, or God forbid it went up, like some of us, I know we had a very yeah. mortgage and then we had to lock in and it added an extra $500 to our bottom line. And that happened this summer, and we did it fast. We didn't wait, uh, and there was yeah. a little bit of like, "Are we getting ourselves into trouble by not, you know?" Because what happens if it, if the prime rate drops again, then we'll be stuck at this rate. But we did it. We're glad we did it. But it added five hundred dollars. <laughs>
0: <Right>? Yeah, it's <laughs> been a rough year, right? With with costs of everything and all of that inflation and interest just compounding—no pun intended—you know—to the strike time and just being absolutely off
3: work. And you know what? I'm not so certain that the recession isn't partially caused by the film industry and the lack of work, which nobody seems to be talking about. But bear with me for a second. So costumes costumes on a TV series that is a network series in Vancouver. Like we're talking a union show, middle of the road, nothing fantastic. um, uh, No fantasy costumes, but definitely you know, a, a higher a higher end contemporary show. They they spend about fifty thousand dollars an episode. And at twenty-two episodes, that's one point one million dollars that the costume department spends within a 10 to 12 month period. Let's round it down to 1 million, just make it a nice, easy. Nice, easy number. Let's say I'm working on a show and I'm spending a million dollars in the costume department. This is not wages. This is boxes. This is underwear. This is socks. This is spanks. This is bras, hot shots. Cozy coats to keep our actors warm hot water bottles to keep our actors warm blankets towels the clothes you see them in on set on camera the jewelry the purses the shoes the coats multiples on that when they have stunts multiples on that when they you know just driving away you have a a stunt who who does the driving Um, all of that combined is a million dollars and I do a lot of my shopping in Vancouver, a lot of it in Canada. So let's say $250,000 of that is stuff that I bought and had shipped in from the UK or had it shipped in from the States. That's still $750,000 that I am not spending this year in this city. And that is just right. that's just my show and that is just costumes. That doesn't include set deck, grips, lighting, construction, paint, greens, props, art department, production office. That doesn't include actors flying in on Air Canada or WestJet or Alaska Airlines. It doesn't include the hotels having to being paid to put them up and Airbnbs being rented to put them up. It doesn't include the food, the catering, all of the, the crash service that goes along with that. That is I as a person do not spend seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars on anything in here. <laughs>
0: Yeah right. <laughs> right. Well, you you bring up such a good that's such a good point because I know it's it's kind of like everyone's been beating this one over the head of of saying listen, yes, the Canadian film industry brings in billions of dollars every year. I think it was like almost fourteen billion in twenty twenty two. But that's mm-hmm. not to your point. That's not that's not incorporating all of the trickle down spends nope. that are not captured. And I know the film industry has always said that like it, that number is not accurate because it's only capturing spend from studios and, and like talent. It's not all of the peripheral spends that
3: you're doing to keep the machine going. Exactly. Dry cleaning. Our dry cleaners aren't being used right now. I, I haven't taken a thing to dry cleaning since I've been off. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Um, It's a, it's a beast. It's a beast. The amount of laundry detergent we go through and we, you know, try and use local places, dyes, stuff like that. Like there is so much stuff that we use on a daily basis before you even add in your labor. And that's just one show. So 20 shows, that's a mm-hmm. lot of money that's not being put into the economy right now. And then you add- Yeah, it's funny. I, yeah. I was sorry. I was just going to say, sorry. you know, no, when you I have extra money, I go to Starbucks and I, you know, go have coffee meetings, or I go out for dinner more often. Right now, I'm not doing any of that, because we do have a finite amount. It's whatever is in our savings account, and we can't, you know, go through it all. So, we're not going out for dinner anymore. I'm not going and getting coffee. I used up all the gift certificates I had, and then I stopped. Like, I just just don't do it. So, that that extra trickle down of what we personally aren't spending I haven't bought new clothes at all at all in the last a little while I have for my kids because I can't help it because they're growing but for myself personally nothing and normally I would have you know bought a new blouse here or a new sweater there
0: absolutely so yeah yeah that's huge what? That, that That's huge. And I, it's funny, I went near a studio in Burnaby a couple weeks ago and went to a cafe and the girl working there was like very lonely. And I said, oh, you must have missed all the film people. And she's like, my shifts have been cut in half because of this strike. Like nobody's coming here to have coffee. They don't need me, you know? And that's just one little story. Yeah. So you're right. It's It doesn't make it feel better that you're off work, but it is. it's almost worse to know that the trickle-downs causing financial strain on all of the supporting industries, right? Um, so how so? you're yes. coping with CAFTCAD. you're coping with your kids. I don't mean coping with your kids, but, <laughs> 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 well, maybe a little of that too. <laughs> yeah,
3: some days, sometimes it feels like it. I love my kids, but, you know, six and ten. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. So it's too much of a good thing, some people are saying. Um, how are you feeling? Are Like, do you feel more connected or disconnected or hopeful or less hopeful than you did like three months ago? Or are you sensing that it will come to an end and, you know, gear back up and maybe we'll put this away for a later trauma, trauma bond. But what are your thoughts on that? Like, how are you feeling?
3: Uh, you know, um, I felt more hopeful a month ago. The closer, the closer we get to Christmas if it's a network show, I'm not sure how they can actually start, like, go back to work. Because networks. Uh, I'll use CBS as an example. I'm on So Help Me Todd. Ta- now, nobody's told me this. This is just m- me doing the math in my head. But yeah, in order for them to get episodes actually uh, prepped, shot, edited, and then put together to hit the airwaves and if they need these episodes to come out in february march april usually most of these shows are done in april may that's not leaving us a lot of time And so it's, you know, nobody's doing a 22 episode season at this point. Now it's cutting down to maybe 10 episodes. Well, at what point in time do the studios go? Well, there's no sense going back to work to shoot five episodes. What's the point? We will just Mm -hmm. now wait and start up for next season, which for all of us on a network show puts us at June. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long road. So that is my, uh, that's kind of where I'm freaking out right now is that if, if you do a, like, if I do a five week walk back for prep, that puts me going to, if I started on Monday, that puts me going to camera on the 18th of December. That means a week of shooting, then it's Christmas break, and then right back to shooting, hopefully with the first episode hitting the beginning of February, That is not a lot of turnaround. That is like nothing for poor post. And that also means that if an actor gets sick or if um, we can't get a location or if a script needs to be reworked, we have no wiggle room either. Like you just, there's whatever's in the can is what you've got to go with. You have to write this person out because they're sick. That's it. That's the end of the story. So. I'm, I'm concerned that anybody who is a network television who's doing something for CBS or ABC or NBC or any of those, if we don't get this settled, we're not going to be able to shoot. If you're Netflix or Amazon or streaming service where you're not relegated to network um, schedules, I think you're fine. But that is, that is a, a huge concern for me who is who's tied to a network show right now.
0: Yeah. That's such good insight too, right? Like it's just so helpful for people to understand all of that. And you're a veteran. So you're you're coming at it from years of experience and and no better sense to know how it's gonna work out except for guesstimations, right? Like rough guesstimations, you know, which is as helpful as it can be, but again, just maybe a bit grasping at straws. But I think you know, the purpose of these conversations too is to to people to find the comfort in understanding that everybody's going through this the same way, but not really necessarily hearing everybody's story. And so it's so helpful to have these conversations, you know, as as minuscule as they feel for me hosting them. I think they're they're vital, even for a few people to to get a sense of how other people are coping and and where they're sitting emotionally, right?
3: Where they're sitting, yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I think we're really affecting is the food banks. You know how they've been talking this year about how the food banks have been so depleted and there's not enough and more people are needing them? Every – and, I mean, Hans, I know he's um, he's a mutual friend. He'll tell you this because it's one of his big um, – the things that he promotes every fall, every fall the film industry does a real challenge for the food bank and all of the productions challenge each other and whoever donates the most in a week is, you know, they win that week. And then whoever donates the most overall um, gets, you know, notoriety. And so it's a competition in the film industry. But by doing that, we raise tens of thousands, thousands of dollars every fall for the food bank. Yeah. Well, we're not doing that this year because we are, you know, there's lots of people in our own industry who are like, "Oh my god, now I I'm finding myself going to the food bank." So, we're not having this competition. So, there's another 20 to $50,000 that the food bank is not getting this year to help them in a year when they actually need more help. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, I know it's just so much trickle down. I don't want it to end on a hopeless note, but
3: <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want it to end on a hopeless note either, but
0: yeah. It, I mean, it's reality, right? What What would you kind of want to say like to all the fellow film folks, as we sort of wrap this conversation up, if you could kind of just, you know, if, if somebody could get one thing from, from that, what would it be from your
3: perspective? That's that's probably the hardest question to answer of all, actually. Um, I know. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a optimistic person. I always see a glass is half full. Uh, I always think things are going to work out. I, I have an intrinsic need to see that things always work out in the end. Uh, this year has been it's been a harder one. Yeah. to navigate that way. Uh, a normal. My normal comment would be, you know, just hold on and and have hope that uh, at some point in time, we do have to go back to work. At some point in time, they will figure out how they're going to make a deal because, you know, it's in everybody's best interest to film again. We cannot, we, we can't stop the juggernaut that is mm-hmm. the entertainment industry. I just don't know when that's going to be. So, you know... Anybody who knows me and who has a contact with me if they need to I'm here reach out say hi uh I'll talk to you if you need to if you need to vent and and um, need somebody to talk to and and listen to you seeing sometimes we don't feel like we get that especially with people outside of the film industry because they don't always understand i I can be that shoulder absolutely and just reach out I mean the problem is we can't even go we can't even get together and go out for coffees or dinners because none of us want to spend any money to do that so you know it feels almost COVID again where it's it's just phone calls or zoom calls but
0: and people retreat too I think they retreat emotionally as well right and I appreciate you not giving empty platitudes like I I wanted these to be honest and not necessarily a pep talk, but just a, a real reflection of how people are feeling. So I think that's that's all you can do is give your honest answer, which is appreciated.
3: Yeah, I wish um I wish it was a more rah-rah rah answer, but right now I'm I I'm, you know, biting the fingernails and and am concerned. I mean, there will be work that comes back. It's just I, I don't know when that's gonna be. Is it gonna be Next week is it going to be January? Is it going to be March? Are we all going to be starting back up again in June? And you know, at that point in time, some people will have been out of work for a year and a half. Like there was a lot of stuff that never started in January that normally would, because everybody was anticipating the strikes. So yes, I know lots of people who who haven't worked since January. That's that is a long, long time. And, and remember, we're, we're people who, when we work, we're full on minimum 12 hours a day, sometimes 16 hours a day, and sometimes weekends and Fridays, and sometimes seven days a week. So you go from an extreme of working the equivalent of like two and a half jobs every week to suddenly not And it's hard, like I was writing at the beginning of this and then I've lost my mojo for that. Like I I can't think of anything to write to save my life. Like the creative juices have kind of like (laughs) been been siphoned out of me, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and I
0: think that's okay. Like I I would say to people, like don't feel that you need to create right now. I think coping is is okay. Just coping and getting through it is okay. Like do not feel you need to write your, your best script and do some magical independent feature while you're trying to pay your rent right
3: yeah and I think that's you know where a lot of us have got to is we were all creative in the beginning and doing fun things and then it just it just kind of gets sapped out of you I'm reading a lot of trashy romance novels that's keeping me sane right now
0: well that's a good thing (laughs) you know what there's no harm in that you're supporting the trashy romance novel industry exactly (laughs) exactly Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, I absolutely appreciate you taking the time. Um, It's so helpful. And I just, you know, I'm sending out good vibes to all the film crew. And that's all we can do. Yes. That's all we can do. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for your time. And uh, and take care until we chat again. Hopefully when you're working again. That would be lovely. I always love to talk to you. Yes. Thank you, Elisa. All right. You take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello. James, it's Colby. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Well, I'm just checking in with all Vantropolis guests. um, Just about the strike. I'm doing a strike series and I thought I would check in with all of my past guests to see how people are doing as the strike lingers on. And you were on my list. So how are you and what are you doing?
4: What I am doing is I am now part of the Vancouver Commute, which Being a film worker, I'm not used to that. We work the different hours. Driving home, I got a regular job.
0: What did you get? Tell me more.
4: I hooked up with a company. It's an electrical contracting company, and they do high-rises and townhomes and things like that. So it's work that I recognize. It's wire and lights and things you plug in and... We just install them permanently. We're not just doing it for a day. That's so a job.
0: And you're not lighting an actor. You're just lighting someone's home.
4: Uh stairwells in an apartment. Just me, a hard hat and a headlamp.
0: Oh my gosh. That should be on a shirt. That should be on a shirt. Just me, a hard hat and a helmet. <laughs> no, what was it? Just me, a headlamp and a helmet.
4: A hard hat and a headlamp. <laughs> yep, up a ladder. Sore shoulders. Oh, my goodness. Working for a living is hard. Oh,
0: my gosh. So how how have you been doing over the strike? Like, you're working now, but, like, I'm so curious how everyone's been doing and obviously concerned for people's well-being. But how have you done over the course of the last, like, six months?
4: I was one of the lucky ones. I stayed working through August, pretty much. I took two weeks off. Yeah. Um, My best girl and I took a, took the level three first aid course. So that's two weeks. And that's like the high, it's like what crafty does. Yeah. For me, it was a renewal for her. It was her first time. And then after that, the day calls, like I'd been working full time up till then. And then the day calls got less and less. And then I hadn't worked for two weeks. And I found myself doing flooring for a friend and went, okay, I'm getting a job, like a real job.
0: Yeah. And so it's been keeping you busy, obviously, like mind, body, and maybe not soul, but mind and body.
4: There's good people there. Uh, my my, One of my old Jenny ops is actually working on the same site.
0: Oh, my gosh.
4: So there's someone we can relate to each other and giggle about the old times and tell stories. I mean, we walked into the – electrical lockup when our shift was over. And he's talking about this Danny DeVito, Matthew Broderick Christmas movie he did. And the guys are just looking at us because we always tell these stories and they think we're rock stars. And we're like, no, we pretty much do the same thing you guys do. It's just these people are around.
0: Tony worked on that movie. Oh, yeah. Is that Deck the Halls?
4: Yes, thank you. We couldn't remember the name of it.
0: Oh, my God. Tony worked on that. That's so funny. It's such a small world. I know. And and do you scream copy that across the construction site just for old time's sake?
4: Um, My foreman actually was a permittee with 891 and decided he couldn't handle the hours. So he understands how we work. And he's like, you movie move, you guys are funny. Because we're just like, hey, is there any overtime? We'll stay (laughs) late. We'll keep going. He's like, you guys don't stop. You guys are wild.
0: Yeah, it's like a bunch of film soldiers.
4: Yep. And that company that actually have sites all over the city. And I think I managed to see a list and I saw like a dozen lighting guys that I know all pulling wire for these guys. It's how I got in.
0: Well, it's kind of come to that though. It's come to that, right? Like, so, and how have you been sort of like, have you been reaching out to besides the people you're working with? Like, do you know how everyone else is kind of doing like, you know, from a departmental perspective and just have you reached out to anybody?
4: Well, I'm, Co-chair of 891, so I am involved. Um,
0: well, that'll do it. That'll do yeah. it.
4: And my circle of friends, I've I gotten to film the day I landed out here when I was 20. So all my friends are lighting people. So we're close. And I am i moved up into the Coquitlam neighborhood uh, this summer. That was a change. So I'm around all my friends and they're doing renovations. They're doing busy work. We're trying to stay together and yeah, keep an eye on each other, reach out. I had one buddy I hadn't talked to since the strike and he called me and said, we're going for a beer this week. I'm making phone calls every week and meeting someone for a beer every weekend. That's great. It's like, that's awesome. We should be doing more of that kind of stuff, but we do, we reach out. I keep, I've got a group text with my crew. Uh, that I have used on my last couple projects and we just keep it alive. Hey, what are you guys doing? How are people doing? What's up? And everybody's doing what they have to.
0: Yeah. And do you feel, do you feel like there's enough resources too? Like I know there's union resources and I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and what you can say anyway.
4: Resources how? Like for,
0: well, like mental, mental health, health resources. Like yeah. Like just any of those sort of safety nets that are supposed to be there as part of our union or not our union, your union.
4: Uh, they're there. They've, I've got my opinions. I don't, I've never used them myself, but feedback from other members. It's been a point of frustration because it's all call-in stuff and it's not yeah dedicated counselors and things like that. Um it's friends and family. And for me, my friends are my family. So it's, hey, you're acting weird. What's going on? What's the stress? What's the, you know, I've got one buddy. You know, when when you're in the middle of an existential crisis, like a writer's strike where you're completely unemployed, um, and then you find out your girlfriend's pregnant, you go buy, an house, buy a house. So he's just like, wow. I've been at his place a lot.
0: Oh, my goodness. Renovating. Right.
4: But for him... He could he could squeak by with it. And we know, I mean, we're all in our 40s. And we had a youth where we had to work. It's the younger guys and gals that have worked in film nonstop since high school. And they didn't have that fear built into them of you got to have six months to a year in the bank realizing you're not going to work and you've got to be able to pivot. And I think a lot of people just, oh, that. Just the amount of people that thought, no, this is going to be a couple of months. This is going to be like COVID. We'll just have some time off. It'll be a great summer. And I kind of saw the writing. My ears are in different places because of people I know. And it was like, we're not coming back to work till the spring. I'm not touching my savings. I'm getting a job.
0: Yeah. And how does this feel different from, I know it's totally different because it's a strike, but the whole, the feeling people had with film work with like save BC film, which seems like ancient history now. Because you would have been a part of you would have been a part of that, right?
4: Um, well, there were still shows going on, and I worked right through it. I actually worked on film sets through COVID because I could. I was doing um, set wire work, and we didn't have actors. We were dealing with sets, so we kept working.
0: Right. Yeah. We
4: were one of the first crews back. I only had a couple months. I had only a month and a half off.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So this is totally different.
4: So for me, I'm not really relative with that. This is, I was talking to my buddy that's building the house or renovating the house, having a baby. This is the first time I have not worked in film in 26 years taking this job. So that's how it's different.
0: Yeah, that must feel so strange. Uh, not really. I'm going to a job that you yeah, have no idea where to park.
4: Who's your boss? What's going on? Um, the lights keep flicking on and off. There's dust and smoke in the air, or there's dust in the air instead of atmospheric smoke. There's a crazy paint department. There's a crazy carpentry department. Um, the pipe fitters and plumbers are basically like your special effects guys. They're just loud and banging steel and doing things. And then there's your electricians that are just like, we stay fairly clean and we keep to ourselves (laughs) and everybody likes us because we turn the lights on it's the same. It's, it's so similar.
0: It's like a parallel universe.
4: I mean, it's just like being an offset worker. You're packing a lunch every day you're going.
0: That's really interesting.
4: And I, this is my first time doing this. So I can't use this as a be all and end all for what construction work is, but millions of people do it across the world. I'm sure it's no big deal. It's just different for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And is there like a, it's interesting because it's not of your own choice, obviously, right? So is there a bit of a sadness there, or are you just you're you're just a survivor like the rest of them and just getting in there?
4: Just survivor. I don't want to touch my savings. And it was like, Well, this is a wage. I ain't saving any money on it, but I'm not losing any money. Yeah. And I was as I was talking to my Jenny op today that I'm working with, my old Jenny Op. We go and lean on our pickup trucks to have lunch just to get off site and away from the noise. And he said, James, next time it's four in the morning and I'm on my hands and knees plugging in work trucks, I'm going to remind myself of this moment and say, thank God I'm not on a construction site because we've got it good.
0: (laughs) If nothing else, it will do that.
4: So no harm, no foul. No, it's, it's a job. It's the same thing. There's WCB rules. There's shit. It's just a gig. So yeah, I mean, I I feel fortunate. I'm doing all right. I'm talking. I've got one friend who sold his home in Calgary. He's a best boy slash gaffer out in Calgary, and he sold his home. Uh, and is rethinking everything. He's actually going into the bush for the winter. Got a job taking care of horses horses living out of a cabin. He said, screw it, I'm selling the house. Wow. I'm not losing money. And it's changing his lifestyle until film comes back.
0: Well, I was gonna say, and it'll be interesting who does come back and who doesn't come back, you know. And and also on that, on a more serious note, like the mental health of some folks, like we've lost a couple folks, a few folks through this, you know, in in even in just an eight nine one.
4: I know of 891 I don't know if it's to do with I'm sure the strike didn't help the stress of it being a father and a family man um I was acquainted with him as a on a professional level and I love the guy and it's just heartbreaking to go he slipped through the cracks something happened and we didn't know and I'm not a Facebooker I don't do social media so it caught me so off guard when I got the phone call, it was actually uh, that she's a teamster. She used to be our senior steward, and she called me and said, James, do you know about Dave? It's like, holy shit. I actually didn't believe her. I was in denial. I'm like, no, no, this isn't right. She said, hang up your phone and check out this website. Yeah. Yeah. Got to in your eyes out for a few hours. Because I had just worked with them,
0: yeah, and I mean, you know, you you usually see people on set, right? To your point, you can like check in on people and see how they're doing, and you're seeing them every day for endless amounts of hours, and you can potentially gauge how people are doing, you know. And you're right; it's not. There's no sense that it's directly related to anything. I'm just bringing it up because there's. It feels to me that there could be some fragmentation with people being able to connect, right? Like we're all on social; we're seeing updates and news to do with the strike, but on a human level, not everyone is connecting like they would when they're at work. No, I mean, and I'm,
4: everyone's got their clique, and I don't know everyone's clique. I mean, I've got a bigger group because I'm the co-chair, so we're working with other people on different projects. But I know, yeah, you're right. You know what? People are stressed out. Um, People are seriously looking at losing their homes.
0: Yeah. Yeah
4: an old console operator of mine. I don't know what his decision was. I haven't, thanks for the reminder. I should probably call him and see how he's doing. I know he took a gig at, uh, I think SFU or Granville Island running console, but barely paying the bills. And he's got a new family as well. and just bought a house.
0: Well, and I think, you know, no matter whether this strike, I mean, as of obviously having this podcast right now, it's not been settled with the actors, but the collateral damage many feels already been done, right? So like the months that you'll need to recover from this lapse doesn't go away no matter how quickly it settles now.
4: That's for the vendors, for all it, like it just goes down every level as people in smaller shops and vendors have been laying people off and struggling I know guys that manufacture LED lights. I know two different shops and they've had to lay off all of their staff and they're doing goofy little side projects just to try and keep the lights on. Like making signs for hotels and things like that, whatever they can get their hands on. I've got one buddy who brought all his staff in, took a huge hit, but he brought his staff in when their EI ran out just to top up their EI and then laid them off again. He didn't even have any real work for him.
0: That's pretty noble. But, I, th- yeah, I think, honestly, I'm so grateful for your honesty. And, like, literally, when I was going to have these conversations, I knew they were going to be hard conversations. I-, I didn't do it to get shits and giggles. It was to have honest uh, dialogue with people in the trenches, really. Uh, so thank you for your honesty on that.
4: It's coming. Like, when it comes, there will be a flood. I know a lot of gaffers and
2: rigging
4: gaffers, not a lot, but a few, that are already gearing up new shows, and PMs have them on hold, but the PMs can't say, okay, we're starting on this date. They just want to be ready the second it's ready, like as soon as the strike's over.
0: So hold on, everybody. <laughs> we're in a, We're almost there. I don't know how, how close almost is, but good enough, near enough. That's my motto over here at Vantropolis.com. <laughs> Well, thank you. I won't keep you anymore because I feel like, I feel like you're, you're wrapping up your commute. I'm almost
4: at the beer store. <laughs> I'm six Sixpack now. I pack a lunch and pick up beer at the end of the night. <laughs> and anyone who knows me listening to this will go, yeah, well, you do that anyway. So, um, so whatever.
0: Yeah, they're like, it's not the job. Okay, well, thank you for that. On that note, I will not keep you from your uh, bookended evening. Of the beer store. Um, But thank you, James. I really appreciate it. All right. So thank you. And uh, we'll be in touch, but I I really appreciate you adding to the conversation. So thanks for your time. you have a good night. Take care, James. Thank you. Cheers, Colby. Bye. Bye. If you want to learn more about my podcast, you can go to VantropolisPodcast.com. Or you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I always appreciate reviews as well, which you can do on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Subscribe, like, or share it with someone you think might be interested in the Vancouver film industry. Or if you work in film, maybe send it to your partner so they know why you're never home.